Welcome to the Deeper Podcast. I'm Pastor Doug Taylor, and I'm joined by Dr. Dave Vance, lead pastor of Crossroads Community Church in Mansfield, Ohio. And, and on Deeper, it's our goal to help you go deeper in God's Word and to grow deeper in life application. We're in the podcast series on the Sermon on the Mount. And we've been doing that here several weeks in a row now. And it's just been a great passage. There's a lot of meat in the Sermon on the Mount, obviously, and especially as we get to today. I'm so excited to get your take on this familiar, this very familiar passage. It it comes to us from Matthew um, 7. It's the first six verses. It's on the judge not lest ye be judged, you know, and we hear that so often for Christians and, uh, and non-Christians, we hear that, don't judge me, you know, or, or judge not lest ye be judged. You know, we hear that phrase all the time, but, but let's dig in and talk about what that really means, what Jesus was trying to get across to his office, uh, to his audience. Can I, can I have you read those first six verses? I'm um, sure. It says, judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Let me kind of start out with a negative question. So kind of how have we, you know, um, twisted this and made, taken this out of context? You know, if, if you're reading this, this really is music to the ears of our culture. Um, this idea that you can't judge me, you can't give your opinion of what you think of me to me. Uh, and, and the reason for that is because we really believe uh, in two great virtues in the U.S. I, I was reading about this study that was done And it was done between uh, the ages of 18 and 40. And they were studying what do you believe the greatest virtue in America is? And so 18 to 40-year-olds answered uh, not with the way we thought think they would, right? We, we think they would answer with kindness, politeness, gentleness, generosity. Those are some of the things that really define us. They answered with the word autonomy. This idea that I stand on my own. I don't, I don't need anybody to tell me what to do. I have my own beliefs and my own ideas of life. But what was interesting about the study is it was followed up with the word tolerance. So you put those two together and tolerance has the idea that we can mutually allow different beliefs, different perspectives, different thoughts, different even behaviors. So you, so you have this idea of autonomy and, and, uh, and tolerance. They really clash with those definitions. And so what we've done is we, we've changed the wording to, of tolerance to literally mean accept or approve. Now, why do I share that? Because when it comes to judging us, this is the area that we, we think no one can judge us because we think they have to approve us, that tolerance is approval. But that's not what tolerance means. Uh, we've redefined it that way. But tolerance is that you can have different viewpoints and still be able to love and get along. So as we come to this passage, it's the idea that no one can tell me what the standard of life is. No one can dictate standard to me. I have my own standard. And so in a culture that has created chaos and confusion in around the world, this idea that there isn't a standard by which we ought to live. And of course, governments run on standards, jobs run on standards. Um, If relationships run on standards, when those things begin to fall, all of a sudden you see the cracks that we're seeing in the culture today because you can't be autonomous and at the same time tolerant. It just doesn't work. 
So we see Jesus commanding his followers to uh, do not judge. Yet we see him all through the Gospels, he, you know, making keen judgments about other people. So what is he getting at when he says, do not judge? What does he mean? Yeah. And, and you know, I, I want to add, not only does he do it, but but the other gospel writers do. I think it's so important because some people will say, well, Jesus, of course, is judging if he was God. Right. So he calls the Pharisees a brood of vipers and he he uh, calls others dogs. Um, even here in verse six, he says, don't throw don't give the dogs what is holy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. He's actually talking about people there, not just dogs and pigs, <laughs> literally. He's talking about people. And so. Um, the Apostle Paul called the Judaizers in Galatians dogs. So we see this idea of judgment all throughout the scripture. In fact, we find commands to judge. What Jesus is getting at is not that we don't judge ever. What he's saying is don't judge in the way of the culture. Um, specifically, he is in this Sermon on the Mount, he is confronting and contrasting the life of a disciple of the kingdom and a life of a Pharisee. And really, he's kind of attacking the Pharisees while teaching his disciples. And, and so what we see here in these kingdom commands is he says, don't judge. But then he shows us how we ought to judge. Don't judge the way the rest of the culture judges. Now, let's talk about that for a moment. In fact, the Greek word here is krino, which can be positive and negative. It's a generic term for judging. But let's talk about how the culture judge judges. And when we talk, talk about just the culture, how do you see people judging as, as we think about this concept? Yeah, you know, in our culture today, you yeah. know, people judge by what you wear, how much money you make. People judge by what political party you're on. Are That's you right. left? Are you right? Maybe even what sports team you're rooting for, <laughs> yeah. you know, Texas Tech or Virginia or yeah. or all kinds. We make and we make snap judgments sometimes. Sometimes, you know, we say we don't want to judge a book by the by its cover, but we do oftentimes, oh, you know, we, we, we kind of put people in, into different camps really quickly. Very quickly. Yeah, these assumptions that we make, these presuppositions that we have, they're all judgments. And here's the point is that all of us actually do judge. The question is, do we judge correctly? The culture judges. It doesn't matter if people say, well, you can't judge me. That's a judgment call. In fact, even saying you can't judge me is a judgment call that the person is judging you. So it's self-contradictory. And and I think Jesus here is, is getting to the point, not that we don't judge, but that we don't judge for the sake of condemnation. For us, we judge for the sake of of evaluation in order to build up, not tear down. That's the difference. When we talk about what Jesus is saying here, it's not judging to tear down. It's judging to build up. And that's the differential uh, of what Jesus is saying here. Right. As Christians, when we judge, we're breathing life into somebody and hopefully bringing them back to a, to a place of strength, not tearing them down. That's right. Um, <clears throat> we definitely see, you know, uh, that Jesus is challenging hypocrisy here. Right. I mean, with the Pharisees. So how is he doing that? And, and why is he challenging them with this idea of hypocrisy? Yeah. In verse five, it's so emphatic. He says, you hypocrite. And I love this word in the Greek. It's it's the word Hippocrates, and and it's uh, it literally is an actor on a stage. They would call actors on a stage Hippocrates or or hypocrites, and it was the idea that they wear a mask. And he says, when we judge inappropriately, and again, not that we're not judging, but that we're judging for the sake of condemnation or to put somebody down, uh, what we're doing is really being a hypocrite. Why? Because all of us have issues. All of us have areas where we can be condemned for them. And so he gives us a little bit of a of, of a picture as to what we ought to do with that. So he says, 
for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. So he says, hey, remember when you judge, it's going to come back to you. There's a spiritual boomerang. Uh, what goes around comes around spiritually. So if you judge someone inappropriately or incorrectly over the sake of condemnation, no, you're condemned already as well. Right. And that's the picture of this is that we then are condemned. And so this is going to come back to us. So be careful to judge. And this is really a, a prescription as to how to judge. He says, start with yourself, realizing that judgment is coming back to you. And then he uses this really humorous, funny illustration. And, and if you think about it, it, it's, it should be hilarious to us. He says, why do you see a speck, a piece of sawdust in your brother's eye, but you have a log in your own eye? And he says, get the log out so that you can see clearly to get the speck out. And so he calls us out and says, hey, make sure before you judge. So again, judging starts with yourself first. Make sure the log is out. And uh, Doug, I found in my own life, this is true. Areas that we tend to judge are areas where we feel a sense of failure or we feel a sense of insecurity. It's often the time where we judge something that we struggle with ourselves we, we judge someone else's fault when it's our failure. And so Jesus here is saying, start with yourself. When you judge, start with yourself. Take the log out so that you can see the speck in your brother's eye and take it out. So this humorous illustration says, hey, you're going to be a garbage inspector. You're, you're going to look at the junk of other people's lives. Don't go into it deaf, dumb, and blind. Don't go into it uh, without the picture of the enormity, the magnitude of your own mess first so that you can really have these two purposes, clean your own mess and then help a brother who's in need. Certainly, I think when we see this example, we understand that that, that speck in the eye is sin, right? So, so if you see that speck in someone else's eye, uh, that sin, it, you recognize it and you're like, I don't like that in them. I love that. You know, maybe you love that person a lot and you're like, I see that they're going to kind of going off path. So we, we get that right. But then taking the log out of our own eye, that, that thing there. So talk to us just for a second. A lot of people, even in our community groups and our connection groups that are, that are going to be going through this, they're, they're going to say, well, I have sin in my life. So I have a log, I have a, I have sin. So I'm never going to be able to go take someone else's. So talk to us about how do I get that log out or what is that log? The spec is easy to understand, but the log can be some blind spots for us. It can. And, and most likely the log is, you know, if we use the idea of spec and log, it most likely is a similar type sin of what you're confronting. And that's what Jesus is saying is, is all of us at times we have sinful tendencies. If we all are judging each other appropriately, we actually are going to see an enhancement of our own lives then. So, but, but here's what I would say is that's the beauty of judgment. When do you judge appropriately? It's self-evaluation as you're evaluating somebody else. Yeah. So the beauty is Jesus is kind of killing two birds with one stone, no pun intended, but he's, he's really calling us to look at ourselves, self-introspection, before we can inspect truly what we see in other people's lives. Because it's a lot easier to see what's in other people's lives. But we then start with ourselves. And so that, that's the beauty of this is when you judge, it's a beautiful thing because it causes you to look at yourself, get rid of the log, because now you've got to help this brother or sister out. And so actually it is a, is a great thing. And so for, it may be that you have to confess some things or the log may be a sinful tendency that you need to stop. And if I can say that, I think in, in a small group or in a relationship setting, one of the beautiful things is to go to somebody and it actually takes this moment of a judgment that can seem condemning, even though it's not meant to be and say to them, you know, example would be, Hey Doug, you know, 
I see this in your life, but what's interesting, I struggle with this too. And can we walk together through this to find victory? All of a sudden, the judgment becomes what it's meant to be, which is to build each other up. It builds me up by getting rid of the log. It builds you up by helping get rid of that speck. Yeah, the being able to do that, being able to say it's easy to observe and reflect on someone else's back, yeah, yeah. right? That's the easy part. But for us to turn that and then really observe and reflect and be self-aware of our own life, it's a little bit harder, you know, for us to do that. And that's what the Lord wants us to do. And that's why Jesus wants yeah. us to go both ways. So if you're in a position to go confront somebody in a loving way, that's hard to do. But you need to be on your knees praying about that that's situation right. and your own life first. Um, let's move on. What are some consequences of judging others from a position of pride? The opposite side the opposite, of that. Yeah, that's, that's If great. I'm pr- proudful or self-centered and I judge someone, I'm assuming that's going to be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and to remember, you know, back to the previous point, God's aim is not only to confront the speck, it's to, it's to expose our hypocrisy. And that's the beauty of this. So when we approach it with pride and with self-centeredness, what, what ends up ensuing is absolute chaos. It, it creates division. What happens is we begin to assume things in the person. We begin to uh, gossip. We, we, we begin to have these condescending looks and petty tones and, and condemning words that come after people. We begin to tear somebody down. All of a sudden, what happens in, in ourselves is a root of bitterness against the person begins to grow. And then eventually, we no longer forgive people. We actually hold things against them for things that maybe we're assuming about them, that we don't even know exactly the struggle. All we see is a speck. And so uh, if, if, we, if we take that down the line, so it begins with an assumption that grows to gossip that grows to a root of bitterness that no longer then forgives the person, even if they don't even know they're doing wrong or they don't get what they're doing is wrong. Eventually, we cast the person off instead of bringing them into the relationship. We, we actually set them aside instead of drawing them in and actually helping them along in the journey. So we end up hurting the body of Christ because we're not actually benefiting other people. We're leaving them in their sinful tendency, that speck that's overtaking them. And that speck in them, by the way, this is what's interesting about what Jesus says, the speck in them will eventually be a log in them as they look at somebody else. And so when we take a speck out of our brother's eye, we're actually helping them get a a potential log out because that speck will grow to a log as they look at other people. So the domino effect of not judging or judging with pride and self-centeredness is absolute chaos. It creates division. It's where we find our culture in today is we don't do this correctly. So would you say that if I am going to judge somebody in a good way, a Christian way, a a spiritual way, out of love and and out of humility, and I've looked at my own log, once I go to judge that person, I'm really making a commitment. I'm going to lock arms with them, and I'm going to see it through. I'm going to be praying for them, be there for them, because if I go in and show them their speck and then just get out, it could do more damage than than good. So you're in it for the long haul because you care about the person, and maybe there's two or three of you that, that are going to be doing this. Can you share some, st- some positive steps? If there's people that are, that are watching and listening and say, I have someone in my, in, in my community group, I have a family member or just a close friend that they're kind of going off the rail. So th- yeah. this, th- this isn't just a pet peeve. This is, they're kind of going off the rail. And if I don't lovingly step in and help, things are going to get bad. So what are a couple, two, three steps? Yeah. And and that's, this is verse six. Why does Jesus say, don't give dogs what is holy? Don't throw your pearls to pigs. Um, 
you know, he's talking about these unclean animals in the first century. Dogs were considered unclean. They weren't pets. Certainly pigs were not uh, part of, <laughs> of the Jewish uh, culture. They didn't eat them. They had pets. They didn't even raise them. The Gentiles did. And so this, this idea is he's saying, not only do we judge, but we also judge with discernment. There are certainly people that we may go and, 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 and with the right heart and the right motivation, confront them about an issue and they reject it. And he says, be discerning. Don't give to them what is holy. Wipe your hands, move on. That's the image that he gives is otherwise they're going to trample what you give them and they're going to come back and attack you. So he says, be very cautious. So there's a, there is a discernment that we ought to have in dealing with people when we're judging them. Um, but, but then let's follow that down the line. What does this look like? How, how does this look to really confront somebody appropriately? And I want to give a couple couple thoughts to this. First of all, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase it a little bit. First of all, I think we ought to be cautious. Um, be cautious. This idea of, you know, we we're entering a time of judgment knowing that we have to look at our own plank as well. So we have to be cautious because all of us have planks. Uh, most of us, when we hear the word confrontation, we get real nervous, don't we? In fact, some people would rather have surgery than do confronting, <laughs> right? Um, there are other people that love confrontation. And so they're looking to confront somebody all the time about uh, they sniff out sin like they're a hound dog or something, a uh, hound dog of God. <laughs> um, but so we got to be careful of both of those things. So we got to, we got to enter this time cautiously. Um, so, but I want to I want to show you here in the text. It says, verse five, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly. There's an expectation that we are going to see clearly to take the speck out of our brother's eye. And so uh, we then want to take the step cautiously to then conscientiously take the, the, the speck out of the brother's eye. So we take the log out of our own cautiously. We now enter that relationship cautiously and then conscientiously we're taking the speck out like a fine surgeon. So we become a logger first, then we become a surgeon. That's the image. I cut off the log in my eye and now I become a surgeon to confront uh, what I see. Uh, I make, and in that, I make the word of God my lens, not my preference. Uh, It's not, the Bible is not our preference. The Bible is a lens by which we see the other person. So, we, we, we enter it cautiously. We enter it conscientiously. We think about how we're going to phrase this, how we're going to do this. The Bible becomes a lens. And then that leads to the third idea, and that is be courageous. We are commanded to do this. This is a command. We are not commanded to retreat from truth, from the scripture. We are called to stand firm on the truth. In fact, the, the, the church is called the fortress of truth. So uh, Jesus says in John 7, 24, do not judge by appearance, but judge with right judgment. That's the point. We want to judge with right judgment. Um, Galatians 6, one of my favorites, it says, verse one, brothers, if anyone is caught in transgression, you who are spiritual, you who have taken the log out of your eye, should restore him. I love that. It, it means to set the bone, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. So we're supposed to be courageous we're not supposed to back down. We are called to see clearly to take the speck out of our brother's eye. And then lastly, be comprehensive. What do I mean? The whole point of this is to come to an end of restoration. It's not to tear them down. It's not to prove that we are right. It's to restore them. And you mentioned this, and I think it's such a great point. If you want to know whether you're judging appropriately or not, what do you do after the confrontation? What do you do after you take the speck out? If you run away or leave, 
and that person is kind of cast aside, then you're probably judging inappropriately. But if, if you stay there and say, let's walk through this together, what you do after that moment is so key in how judgment works. And so we want to be comprehensive. Yes, we, we want to be uh, cautious. Uh, we want to be um, conscientious of the need. We want to be courageous, but we also want to be comprehensive in that we want, ultimately want to bring restoration. Uh, we want to enhance the person not elevate the sin. That's the picture of this. We're getting rid of the sin and we're enhancing this person to a right relationship with Christ so they can appropriately and rightly live for him and honor God. Thanks so much, Pastor Day, for walking us through this passage. Uh, it's our prayer that you would be consistent, that you would be salt and light in your relationships, that you'd be loving and kind and you would look for ways to judge others in a loving way and an appropriate way.